It is summertime. People are headed to the beaches, headed towards the pools. And for a lot of people, that means lots of sunscreen. Now, sunscreen seems like a total no-brainer. You're going to want to protect your skin from burns, especially if you have really light-colored skin like I do. I am super-duper white. I burn really easily. And you also want to protect your skin from getting skin cancer, too. So, of course, you should wear sunscreen, right? Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And you're also probably wondering, Stephanie, this is a show about conservation. Why are we talking about sunscreen? Well, it turns out that sunscreen can actually have a pretty large impact on the areas that we swim in. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, sunscreen and its environmental consequences. And of course, humans are part of the environment, too. So I'm also going to be talking about some health implications of using sunscreen. What kinds should you use? What kinds should you avoid? We're going to talk about all of that today on the Fancy Scientist podcast. I'm so happy you are joining us. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. I first found out about the environmental implications of sunscreen when I was in Mexico. My friend and her husband were going on a vacation to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and we were just talking, and she's like, you and your husband should come along. And we kind of just decided to do that. On a whim, we decided to join our friends for a vacation in Puerto Vallarta, and Normally, I like to plan vacations a lot, but this was kind of a last-minute decision, and I just really wanted to relax and have fun, so I didn't plan that much at all, and my friend is definitely not a planner. So when we got down to Puerto Vallarta, we were doing a lot of beach stuff, but then I also wanted to do some snorkeling or potentially scuba diving, so we started to look into some local tourist operations to see what was available. So I saw that there was an eco-tour boat adventure to the Mariatis Islands National Park. And I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds perfect. I definitely want to do this. So my husband and I decided to do this adventure. My friend and her husband instead wanted to do uh, zip lining. I, I wasn't interested in that. So we decided to do the eco tour. And they provide you with some information ahead of time as to what to bring, what to expect. And one of the things on the list was biodegradable sunscreen. And I had never heard of that before. At the time, I was shopping at Sephora, and I always shopped in their natural section because I did know about parabens. I knew that parabens were banned in Europe and that they are endocrine disruptors, which means they impact and alter your hormones. So I had been avoiding parabens for a while and just shopping at the Sephora 
natural section, I knew that those products didn't contain parabens. So my sunscreen was already quote unquote natural. Natural is a very vague term, no definition. But anyways, my sunscreen was already better. But I wasn't sure if it was biodegradable. I didn't even really know what that meant in terms of sunscreen. So my husband and I went to some shops in Mexico and bought some. They had a lot available. And I just thought that because we were going to a national park and the goal of a national park is to protect wildlife, that perhaps the park was just taking extra precautions to make sure that its wildlife was safe. And that's why we had to use biodegradable sunscreen. But I also had remembered talking to a friend that we visited in Guadalajara. We told her about our plans to go to Puerto Vallarta. And she told us about this hidden beach area. I didn't realize at the time that the hidden beach and Marietta's Islands were kind of the same thing or in the same area. But she told us that this beautiful oasis and this island with this gorgeous, like, hidden beach (laughs) was closed to tourism several years ago and closed, I think, for several years. And she said that there were so many tourists going to this area that they closed it because it was destroying the, the natural ecosystem there. And I didn't really think about the connection between all of the tourists and the sunscreen in the area. For some reason, when I thought about the destruction to the habitat, I thought maybe more just like the presence of people in the area, just having it be a high density of humans all in one place, people potentially breaking coral reefs or touching them intentionally, which harms them. Or perhaps there are a lot of boats in the area, which, of course, causes pollution. Those are the types of impacts that I was thinking about. I didn't think about something as small as sunscreen having an impact. I mean, think about it. Think about how much sunscreen you put on your body as, you know, just a single person. It really doesn't seem like that much. And the ocean is a gigantic place. How could the sunscreen that I put on my body as an individual have an impact on the entire ocean? Well, it doesn't quite work that way. And the sunscreen that you do put on your body actually can have an impact on the ocean or at least the immediate ecosystem around you. So since then, the Marietas Islands have been open again for tourism, obviously, because my husband and I were able to go. It was awesome. Side note, I got to see blue-footed boobies, which if you don't know, boobies are a bird. Side note, I got to see blue-footed boobies, which are a a seabird, and they live in the Galapagos Islands. I actually thought that was the only place in the world that you could see them, and they obviously have blue feet, and we got to see them in the Marietta's Islands. So that was so awesome. So grateful for that experience. And I'll link to my blog post where you can look at pictures of them. They're such cool birds. But anyway, so this island had been closed to tourism for years. And they reopened with regulated tourism. So not as many boats could go out. And I have to say... Even with the regulated tourism, I still saw tons of tourists there. We weren't the only boat visiting. There were, I want to say, like an upwards of like maybe eight boats. I can't remember that well. A lot of these tourists come from cruise ships, 
and the cruise ship will be docked for the day and the tourist will spend the day going off on this little boat and snorkeling. And this happens every single day. So not only our boat containing you know, 20 to 30 people, but multiply that by at least four boats. And remember, we're only going during one time of the day, too. They had multiple tours that day. Everyone's wearing sunscreen. Everyone's going into the water. And even though the ocean is a big place with this high concentration of people all in one area, depending on the water flow, too, the sunscreen leaves your body and it goes into the ocean and it affects the wildlife in this area. Since then, sunscreen has become kind of a hot topic, and even places around the world are banning certain types of sunscreens. Now, we'll get into that a little bit later, what kinds of sunscreens you should use. And probably the most famous example is that Hawaii bandit. So starting in, I believe, 2021, you can only wear the type of sunscreen that is not harmful to the ocean environment. And particularly the big concern is sunscreen's impact on coral reefs. What studies show that sunscreen can do is it can actually cause coral to bleach. What it essentially means is that it kills the coral. And one study estimated that up to 10% of the entire world's coral reefs I can't say reefs, (laughs) 10% of the entire world's coral reefs would be threatened just by sunscreen-induced coral bleaching. And this is what is driving those bans. Places like Hawaii have a lot of tourism, and therefore they're not only concerned about the corals themselves, which are an important part of nature, but people come from all over the world to see them, to go scuba diving, to go snorkeling. And if these reefs die, and if these reefs die, they're definitely going to lose a lot of tourism income. One paper calculated this to be between 4,000 to 6,000 tons of sunscreen in reef-containing areas. Another study estimated 14,000 tons of sunscreen entering waterways every year. What research has found, particularly in laboratory studies, is that when sunscreen is added to the water, even at low levels, it causes coral to bleach. And it's thought to do so by promoting a viral infection. And I'm going to include the link to the study in the show notes. You can see pictures of the coral bleached in the treatments that contain sunscreen in the water. Another study found that oxybenzone, and this is the chemical that a lot of people focus on that is thought to be especially harmful to corals, and we'll also find out people. So this study found that it had four major effects on the coral, especially developing coral, that increased its uh, susceptibility to bleaching which were DNA damage, abnormal skeletal growth, and deformities in the young coral. The effects of sunscreen on marine life are not just limited to coral. According to NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in the United States, it can affect animals like mussels, sea urchins, fish, and even dolphins. Because of the ingredients in these sunscreens that are detrimental to the environment, can accumulate in animals. 
Here are some of the things that sunscreen can do. It can impair the growth and photosynthesis of green algae. In fish, it can decrease fertility and reproduction and even cause female characteristics to occur in male fish. So this is endocrine disruption when the hormones are impacted. In dolphins, everyone loves dolphins, right? (laughs) These chemicals can accumulate in the tissues and even be transferred to their young. So some pretty harmful stuff that is happening from just our one application of sunscreen. Actually, it's not one application. It's multiple applications of sunscreen throughout the day multiplied by all of the hundreds to thousands of people that are in the area in the beach and the snorkeling area and the reef area where you are that's impacting this really sensitive ocean ecosystem. And the thing that's also really concerning about corals in particular is that these ecosystems are under threat because of climate change in general. So you're already dealing with an ecosystem that is stressed because of the increasing water temperature. These these corals were evolved to live under just certain degree ranges. And if it gets too hot for them, this also causes bleaching too. And some scientists think that this combination of the chemicals and sunscreens with climate change is causing the acceleration of bleaching in coral. To tell you the truth, when I came home from my vacation with Mexico, I didn't think about my sunscreen use that much here back home because most of the time when I do wear sunscreen, it's when I'm at a pool or if I am walking my dogs in a particularly open area where I'm going to be exposed to the sun a lot. And then I come home and take a shower and I don't perceive the sunscreen as going into an ocean environment. But the sunscreen eventually washes off and it enters our water system. I'm not an expert in sunscreen research, but my guess is that if it's affecting animals like coral, yes, coral are animals, if you didn't know that, that's a cool fun fact. If it's affecting animals like coral, then it's probably affecting other animals as well that are in our freshwater ecosystem. But equally as concerning, and this is actually what got me to really think about my sunscreen and change, is sunscreen can be harmful to human beings as well. Now, as mentioned before, the main ingredient that people are most concerned with is called oxybenzone. Octanoxate is also another chemical I hear about. And when I say the word chemical, everything's a chemical. So... So just because I use the word chemical doesn't mean innately that it's bad for you. There's a lot of verbiage out there, especially with natural products, that it's you know chemical-free. And those products don't exist. There's no such thing as a chemical-free product because water, which is usually one of the basic ingredients in, in any of our lotions or shampoos or anything, that's a chemical. So we can't say chemical-free. But it is hard to describe things sometimes without using the word chemical, but I just wanted to let you know that when I do say chemical, it's not necessarily a negative connotation that there are chemicals that do not cause human health impacts and are safe for us to use. And there are chemicals which do. So I will list the chemicals that can harm marine life in the show notes of this podcast. So you can take a look at all of the ingredients. 
But uh, the biggest ones to be concerned about are oxybenzone and octanoxate. I hope I'm saying that right. Octanoxate. And this whole entire time I have been talking about sunscreen, really what we're talking about are sunscreens that contain those. So just like there are ingredients in sunscreen that are potentially harmful to wildlife, there's also potentially harmful ingredients to us. And I will link to the Environmental Working Group's website. I really like them. They're a nonprofit that provides guides and information about the research behind different chemicals. So they also provide consumer product guides so you can look up any of your household products or cosmetic products because these ingredients are not just limited to sunscreen. Some of them are found in other cosmetics or personal care products. You can look up your products online at ewg.org and they rank the chemicals based on how potentially harmful the chemical is, and they give it a rating from 1 to 10, with 10 being the most harm. The thing I like about the EWG is when you look at a specific ingredient or a specific product, it always links underneath to the scientific studies that suggest that. So if you want to take a deeper dive and decide if that's really a concern for you or not, then you have that information. For example, some ingredients might might be more likely to provoke an allergic reaction. So for someone like myself, I don't have any allergies, so maybe this is not a concern for me and maybe something I'm willing to be riskier about. But in general, the United States is really unregulated when it comes to the ingredients used in cosmetic and personal care products. The United States only bans 30 ingredients, whereas the EU bans about 1,400. I was shocked to learn this. Completely, completely shocked. Like I said before, I had known about parabens for a while, but I did not know how many chemicals were out there that weren't tested for. And the way the United States works is... You have to demonstrate that an ingredient causes damage and it's, you know, causation, not correlation. But with human health, I personally like to be less risky about it. And I tend to go with the EU model, which uses the precautionary principle. And that is if there's research to suggest that an ingredient is harmful, I won't use it until there's evidence to suggest that it's not harmful, until there's enough research out there to show that it's not harmful. That's what I like to do for myself. I have a history of cancer in my family. My mom had cancer. Her mom had cancer. I don't know if it's genetic or not. I was tested for the the Brock uh, gene to see what ty- genotype I had, and I don't have the type that's associated with cancer. That being said, also, my uncle worked in a factory with chemical exposure, and he developed bladder cancer directly from his experience. His family ended up suing the company because they knew they were exposing their workers to dangerous levels of chemicals. So I... I tend to be really careful about what I put on my body. I take my health very seriously. I like to eat really high quality foods and do the research on the different ingredients in my products. And I highly recommend that you do this too. 
So some of the things that oxybenzone does, which is the most common ingredient in sunscreen, is that it's an endocrine disruptor. It's been associated with birth weight in human studies. It's detected in nearly every American, and it's found in mother's milk. There was a study out at the beginning of this year that showed that even at low doses, that it could cause damage to the DNA of breast cells. So given these findings in human health, combined with the impacts that these ingredients in sunscreen have on our environment, I avoid them. People assume just because stuff is on the market that it's safe. And there's been a lot of attention on sunscreen because this is not necessarily the case. The New York Times actually released a story last year that was titled, When You Wear Sunscreen, You're Taking Part in a Safety Study. And this really made the news because there was a new study that showed that sunscreen chemicals were actually detected in people's blood samples. They didn't expect the sunscreen to be able to penetrate into the blood. And this was kind of a surprise. And they were also at concentrations that were higher than the threshold set by the Food and Drug Administration. So this this is really combined with the coral damage, what has put sunscreen into the limelight, is causing people to reevaluate sunscreen, look at the different types of brands that they buy and the different ingredients in those brands. Here are some more stats. According to this New York Times article, in 2008, a national health survey by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found oxybenzone in 97% of urine samples. A 2010 study of nursing mothers in a Swiss hospital reported that 85% had UV filters in their breast milk. Now, UV filters are in a lot of different types of personal care products and cosmetic products, so it's not necessarily from sunscreen. And some doctors have said that these studies of the sunscreen chemicals being found in your blood are concerning because we don't actually know what the biological effect of this is. Because the United States only pulls products when they have proven causation, that there is a link between a specific ingredient and an aspect of human health, these products are still available. You can buy them anywhere, and the FDA is still doing research on this topic. So it's really important for you to educate yourself and to know what you're buying and how it could impact you. So what are you supposed to do within the last, I would say, decade to two decades? There has been so much emphasis on sunscreen. I'm not super old, but when I was a kid, I don't remember my parents like slathering sunscreen all over us like crazy. We had a pool, so we were outdoors all the time. I don't remember having sunscreen on me nonstop. Of course, I wore it when I was outside for long periods of time, but really there's a huge emphasis on sunscreen nowadays. I remember the one time when I was in Sephora, the consultant emphasized to me that I need SPF on my face every single day. And I was like, well, I don't go outside every day. And she's like, do you drive the car? Then you're exposed to the sun. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to protect our skin from skin cancer, obviously. And I have really light skin. I get burned super easily. So I definitely need sunscreen when I am doing certain things. But at the same time, I don't want to put anything that is potentially harmful on my body. 
we're essentially balancing these two different health consequences, the consequences of wearing these potentially harmful ingredients from sunscreen or exposing yourself to damage from the sun, which can result in terrible sunburns and cancer. So what are we supposed to do? Here is some good news. There are definitely alternatives, and I'll talk about the best ones for you and the environment. The first thing that you can do is avoid the sun. And this means when you're at the beach and there's no shade, setting up an umbrella, wearing hats. One thing that I did recently, actually, is I burn so easily that sometimes applying Lots of sunscreen is just annoying. So one thing I bought last year was a swim shirt. And it's basically made out of a swimsuit material. I got it from Athleta. I love Athleta. And it's basically made out of swimsuit material. And it's a long sleeve shirt. And I specifically got that because one time I went snorkeling. And I did have a sunscreen on. But it wore out. And I was just like, I need to wear clothes now. (laughs) And from an environmental perspective, clothes are also the best option because you're not using any ingredients at all. So you're not contaminating the environment at all with with any ingredients found in our products. So really seeking shade and wearing sun shirts is really the best answer. If you do need to use sunscreen, like me, there's good news. There is sunscreen that is safe for you to use. And those, you want to choose sunscreens that have the ingredients zinc oxide or titanium oxide in them. For the environment, though, you want to be careful that it is not the nano titanium dioxide or the nano zinc oxide because these ingredients can also harm sea life. These nanoparticles are so small that they can also enter the cells of invertebrate and uh, destroy the cells so that the animals die. So you want to look for the the non-nano versions of these ingredients. Now, a problem with these sunscreens, we call these sunscreens mineral sunscreens, is that traditionally they've been really thick and white and pasty. And if you think about like old movies when you people when you see people wearing sunscreens that were like that white paste, well, this is what they were using, and this is why eventually we started switching over these other sunscreens because they blended in with our skin more and they didn't look like, you know, we had white paste all over our body. But given the potential health effects and the ocean effects, we need to go back to those mineral sunscreens. The brand that I use and love is Beauty Counter. And the reason why I love this sunscreen so much is because it really does blend well into your skin. And so this is really great for people who have darker skin tones because Obviously, those whiter, pastier ones are going to stick out more. So this one actually blends into your skin no matter how dark you are. I was reading about if people with darker skin need to wear sunscreen or not, and I'll post to another New York Times article that I found on this issue. But again, I'm not a doctor, but this article suggested that people with dark skin probably don't need to wear sunscreen. And um, they bring up the point of people living in sub-Saharan Africa, like nobody wears sunscreen. And I'm thinking about my time being in Kenya and Gabon 
and especially Kenya. I mean, there's not much shade. At least in Gabon, we were in the forest a lot of the time. But in Kenya, people are exposed to the sun all of the time and nobody wears sunscreen. But I just wanted to include that um, just as something to think about and as a source of information with people with darker skin. Because I know frequently there's advice that people with dark skin need to wear sunscreen too. I use Beauty Counter and I love their sunscreen because it blends well into the skin. It doesn't feel greasy. I actually like their sunscreen better than the ones with the harmful ingredients in them. I think it smells better. I think it just like the texture feels better. I don't like all those main brands because I'm, I'm really sensitive to scents. And once you start removing potentially harmful ingredients from your life, I feel like you're more aware or maybe you can pick up more on all of the artificial scents that people use in their daily lives. Like one thing I don't use is fragrance because fragrance is, and I don't mean just like perfumes. I mean, if you look into your ingredients and it says fragrance, I don't use that because fragrance is a trademark uh, secret. So companies don't have to disclose their ingredients and I want to know what ingredients I'm putting on my skin. Anyway, I digress. And we'll probably do more episodes on definitely cosmetics because I love makeup. And I'm, I'm also really passionate about personal health, as you can tell. I've struggled with a lot of chronic health issues myself, chronic fatigue. I have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks your thyroid. So I've had a lot of issues that honestly doctors have had a really hard time diagnosing, dealing with. So I am really proactive about my health and I read a lot about it. So I do think some of those topics will come up on this podcast because it's all linked. The environment, what chemicals we put on it, it's all it's all linked. We can't expect that the products that we put on our bodies don't have any impact on the animals around us because we wash it off all in the shower. It, of course, has an impact. So just going back to Beauty Counter, I love them. They are a fantastic company. They are are certified B Corporation. B Corporations are those that are evaluated by the B Corporation. And this is an independent organization that evaluates them based on how ethical they are, how they treat their workers, how they treat the environment. It's an incredibly transparent process. You can see all of the reports. It's it's a hard certification to get. So Beauty Counter is one of those companies, and I am a consultant for Beauty Counter. A lot of people, when I say the word consultant, they are automatically triggered to think um, an MLM. And Beauty Counter is direct sales, so we actually don't have to recruit anyone. And you also don't have to buy anything, too. Like a lot of those programs, what they have you do is buy products when they come out. You have to buy the new lines and new products. And this is where MLMs get their really bad reputation is because when people buy all these products, they're buying things that they can't afford with the expectation they're going to make money off of it, but that doesn't always come through. So there's been some terrible cases being shown. I read this one story with this woman who bought $1,000 worth of product from Lululu. 
So that definitely does not happen with Beauty Counter. They just came out with a new skin foundation. I didn't buy it. They came out with several other new products. I didn't buy it. You you don't have to do that. And like I said, they're a certified B Corporation, so they cannot screw people over by definition. The B Corporations do not let that happen. Therefore, the highest ethical treatment of their workers I love Beauty Counter, too, because they really prioritize sustainability. Again, another aspect of the B Corporation that I love. They send out reports about how they're reducing their impact on climate change, how they're climate neutral, how they invest in um, water offsets. So they invest in environmental projects to restore water quality. And given what's going on right now in the United States, one of the things that I've really loved about Beauty Counter is they've always done a great job of showing all different skin tones and making safe products for the darkest skin tones. Because actually to make safer products for darker colors, usually companies will add more of those harmful ingredients. And in cosmetics is an environmental injustice issue because people with darker skin colors, they have to wear those darker colors and they're potentially more harmful for them. So I love Beauty Counter and that they really care about that. They do a lot of advocacy work on Capitol Hill. Anyway, I just love Beauty Counter. And if you want to order some sunscreen from me, just send me a direct message. I am happy to hook you up. They are more expensive, but their products last a super long time. Seriously, like I've had my skin foundation for like a year now, and I definitely have sunscreen left over from last summer. Anyway, if you're not interested in Beauty Counter, I will try to find some links to some re-friendly sunscreens as well and post them to the show notes. I hope you learned a lot this episode, and I hope you're going to take some actions to take care of your health and the environment's health. Look out for the little coral reefs. They need us. They need us to help. And if you are not going to wear mineral sunscreen all the time at the very least if you can wear it when you are in the ocean or a lake where you're really exposed to animals around you please do so i want to thank you guys so much this was before my podcast aired but on my instagram on my social channels i sent out a ask for all of you to share my blog post so that I could get to 25,000 sessions in one month. And with this, I could apply for Mediavine advertising. Mediavine advertising is just a type of advertising that bloggers can use, but it's just like a little bit more of a quality, better company to work with. So I've now transitioned my career into full-time science communication. And right now I'm doing all of this for free. All of my blog posts, all of my podcasts. Actually, I'm even kind of losing money at it because I have to pay money to support my blog for some software and equipment sometimes. So I'm doing all of this stuff for free. So... The best thing that you guys can do to help me out is to share my podcast, share my blogs. And because you guys helped me reach 25,000 sessions, I will now be able to get some income from advertising. I'm super excited about that. My book will be out this fall, so I will actually have a physical product you can buy. And I'm also going to be creating an online course to go along with my book. I'll have more details about all of this. Later on, I plan on releasing some 
activities. I want to do a subscription plan for kids. Hopefully I will have something up by the end of the year. I am super excited about that. I just have so many ideas, so much stuff to write about, but not enough time. I love each and every one of you, and I hope you have an amazing day. Take care of each other. Be nice to each other. Be nice to animals. 